When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello everybody and welcome, we are the Armchair Experts, trade style, it's over. If you haven't found a club by now, you're staying at your original club or you might be heading to a pre-season draft, hashtag Armchair Experts to get involved at 7AFL. Mitch Cleary is too busy breaking the news, he'll join us shortly, but the trade god is in the house. Mega god, mega I'm going to call you Mega Trade God, because that <laughs> you essentially were the number one person in this trade period, Adam. You know what? I actually nearly got a few of those mega trades right. So some of these picks, pick 50 ended up at three clubs. I had it going through five clubs during a mega trade. So obviously list managers and recruiters, they took note. They thought, well, Adam Cooney's on to something here, the trade god. And some of those mega deals actually weren't too far off the mark. But thank the Lord this period is over. Jordan Dawson finds himself at Adelaide. It happened late last night and was... Ratified this morning, Lynch to Hawthorne, Laddams to Sydney, Segler to Geelong. We'll get to that in a moment. Fort to Brisbane, hell of a lot of Ruckman moving. Clark ended up at Freo, was pick 22. There was the critical and integral piece there. Ian Hill did not get done. Bobby Hill did not get done. Luke Bruce, <laughs> who was raised late, did not get done. I'm going to start you straight off, Adam. Tell me, out of today's trades, out of mm-hmm. today's Trades. Who's going to have the most impact in 2022? I like the Laddams to Sydney, to be honest with you. I think he's going to work really, really well. I understand that the two swaps of first rounders looks like they've paid a heavy price, but they've actually just slid down a few places. So I think he could have a massive impact for the Swans next year. I did like that deal. And I think Jordan Clark to Frio. Uh, well, he'll really suit the way that they play. Um, some people are saying he might um, play on a wing or maybe inside. I think, as Peter Bell alluded to uh, after he got traded, it's going to be a nice running, dashing game off halfback, which will suit him. So I think they've done all right there. I think given that Frio lost um, Adam Chera, they've finished up with a pretty tidy draft hand and also bring in Jordan Clark. So they've done all right. I'm really bullish on Frio. I've spoken about this a number of times. And losing Adam Chera, who we'll talk about a little later on in the armchair experts, hurts. For obvious reasons. I, I find this interesting though. Jordan Clark, I like him. I think he's straight into that best 22 and is that running, dashing, you know, halfback flanker who can really propel you inside 50. Straight up though, Adam, why does someone get traded and all of a sudden automatically, oh, I reckon he can push into the midfield. Other positions are extremely, extremely important, in particular the one that he plays best. I just find it weird that everyone's like, I reckon he can get a bit of hardball. Don't worry about hardball. Don't worry about the midfield. They've got a young developing midfield, put him down back or in the half-back line where his run and carry, as you touched on, is going to be critical to this young, exciting Fremantle team. Yeah, I guess people say that because 
Chera is gone, so automatically the link is there. We'll re- replace him in the midfield. But, I mean, he could play on a wing. That's not an inside role, and I think he's got the speed and the attributes to do that. But why not start him off half-back? He's going to get plenty of footy in his hands, get some confidence up, and I think he'll give him – the free Randall Dockers will give him the, the freedom to be able to play the, his natural game, whereas Geelong's ball movement is obviously a bit more stifled. So it's harder to break into the Geelong back six and also harder in terms of their game style, that, the way that Jordan Clark wanted to play. To be, to be fair, game style of the Cats didn't matter to Jordan Clark because you couldn't get a game. Hence why you want it out. Do you believe, and I know I think you were on radio when this happened, do you believe the story that young Jordan Clark, I don't know the kid at all, but he had the <laughs> audacity to slam the phone down and hang up on Stephen Wells, who many would argue is the best list manager and recruiter in the game and has done it for a long period of time. Do you believe the story? Well, I can only believe what my co-host tells me. And he got a pretty angry phone call from uh, someone at the Geelong Footy Club uh, who was denying that. But he said, look, my sources, and I cannot reveal them, are airtight. And he was happy with what happened. And Jordan Clark obviously sent a DM to someone about it. So who knows? Um, But he was pretty comfortable with how it went down. I can't imagine Jordan Clark uh, making that personal call and getting angry at Stephen Wells and then hanging up the phone. But he is... Factual, Sam Edmund, because at the end of every conversation, someone's got to hang up, don't they? Well, that's true. Hey, they didn't blink either, Geelong. Now, I'm assuming a lot of that, 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 that conversation, and, and of course, we both know Sam quite well, and I'll take him at face value as well, but I'm assuming the conversation went like, hey, Stephen, uh, pick 19. Just come, just, just come on, let's do this. And don't, don't to and fro, and in the end... Geelong got what they kind of wanted. So I understand 100% certain that someone would ring the list manager and say, hey, this is what's happening. But the good news is that he ends up at Fremantle. I'm really looking forward to this Adelaide resurgence. Their start of the year this year was really good. Of course, they petered out, which I don't think really surprised anyone. But you throw Jordan Dawson in, who Adelaide... Yeah, well done. Sydney, Sydney are filthy. Because in the end, they don't get what they believe is fair compensation for a kid who probably would have ended up in the preseason draft and they would have lost him for nothing. So, But yep. on one wing, they're going to have Jordan Dawson. On the other wing, they're going to have Seedsman, who just had an exceptional year. They, they are, they're they building a nice little crew there under Matty Nix. Oh, they are. Uh, and you're right. The, the wing position is obviously a tough one to play. And if you're good at We heard the comments from Isaac Smith, who said earlier yeah. on in the year that he loves playing against inside midfielders that actually come out onto the wing. It's a really hard position to play. And if you get sucked into the contest too far, then you're, you're obviously out of it and the winger can have a field day. So, yeah, really dangerous uh, on both wings. Seedman's, Seedsman is a goal-kicking winger as well. Gives Brody Smith a little bit more licence to be able to run off half-back or through the middle of the ground for the Adelaide Crows as well. And I suppose it depends on the development of Riley Thilthorpe in their forward line. If he can have a big year, then look, the Crows might not be too bad. I like the Laddams won to Sydney, as you touched on. It, it was interesting... Like, did Port Adelaide push him out and then ask yes. for top dollar and then say, yeah. hang on, we're not happy with what you're offering for him? I, I do find it remarkable. I, I get the leverage you have when a player's under contract, but essentially they, they squeezed him out and then tried to backtrack the other way. I think the deal works nicely. Port Adelaide gets a 12. Sydney dropped down to 16. I don't, I don't really know a great deal about the draft outside the first five or six kids, but they're going to get a guy in Adams who can play inside 50 as well has helped Hickey, and he's going to be not a foil, but definitely a nice balance to Hickey in the middle of the ground. And then Buddy Franklin inside 50, who obviously had a great year himself. 
Yeah, absolutely. And and when Hickey does go, then Laddams can move straight into that number one ruck position and, and rest forward and hopefully kick a few goals. So I think they've done really well. Sydney, they obviously were shattered that they lost Jordan Dawson and probably didn't get maximum value for him, but then dropped down a few places in the draft to get a player like Peter Laddams, who I think um, will be their number one ruck in, say, 12 months' time. It just means that Sam Reid now, I think the writing might be on the wall there for Sam Reid and... Um, We'll see what happens going forward with his contract and if uh, he can find a home. Hey, hashtag armchair experts to get involved at 7AFL. I'm not certain I've raised this before, Adam, on the armchair experts, but I'll raise it now. When does the fixture come out? It couldn't be too far away. The AFL don't traditionally wait too long before they release this type of gear. Hawthorne and Sydney has to be round one of the SCG next year. Buddy looming on a 1,000. Sydney played away for so much, and the Giants obviously the same, for so much of... 2021 has to be Sydney Hawthorne in round one next year, right? That's a, it's just a. How many has he got to go game. to get to a thousand? Is he? It's a good point. How many is, is he got he to se- go? Is he seven off? He might no, be less than seven. He might be le- less than that. But yeah, you, you hope that it, it would be a nice bit of synergy mm-hmm. if he could kick his thousandth goal against the Hawks. But then that means that we've got to fly over for the game because we, well, we said do. that we were going to be the first ones out to the big Budwa to congratulate him. I'll keep our 1.5 metre distance, obviously. Well, I, I've, I've continued to say that's exactly what I'm going to do. Right, he needs five. He needs five goals. He could do that round one. Well, He'll be fit too. We spoke to Charlie Gardner today and he said he's tracking very, very nicely. So he also said don't be surprised if he plays on beyond 2022. I think that if you see Sydney have a legitimate crack at a premiership next year, which I think a lot of people are fairly bullish about them. They were, they were really good this year, except for you, of course. They were four and zero. You said they wouldn't make the eight. They kind of no, I said they wouldn't win a final. That's what I said. No, you did not. That was in about three-quarter time of the Giants game down in Tassie where you went with that one. But no, Halfway through the year, I said they wouldn't. No, I conceded yeah. that they would make the eight, but I said they will not win a final. Well, right. if, they, if they go deep in September next year and don't win it, it'll be enough to tempt the big bud back, you would think. Now, of course, he's got a two, he's got two in the back pocket already, but it'll be interesting to see what he thinks because he left Hawthorne and his running mate's got another two. Without him. So if that burns him inside, that some of those guys like Hodge and Lewis and Mitchell and Roughhead and, you know, some of his best mates go on to, and then one another too, if that burns him at all and try and get one to Sydney, I think he, it's, it wouldn't be inconceivable that it'll hang around. All right. The, the AFL need to change anything? I, you know, I would look at, if I was the AFL, and certainly players, I would look at putting clauses into contracts where – they can renegotiate when you get to your final year of your deal. Because we're seeing now yeah. players requesting players requesting trades with a year out. Uh, Ian Hill, uh, the GWS Giants holding him to that. I'd like to see a clause no. where either either no. club, if they agree, can can move it on. No. Well, they do agree. That's what, they already have that. No, they already I have that. It's more of a gentleman's agreement if a player wants to leave for compassionate or family reasons. But... Um, like Bobby Ian, Bobby Hill wanted to leave, and um, he had a had a pretty nice offer the GWS Giants uh, for him, but chose him so chose to hold him to his contract. So, I mean, it can work both ways. I understand that we know what's happened uh, in the past with some players who have gone back and played great footy, Tim Kelly, Josh Dunkley. But I yeah, just wonder what happens when it goes the other way and a player doesn't um, get. So, like Jordan Clark, for example. So, if Jordan Clark didn't get traded this year, and 
if let's just no, hear me out. Hypothetically, if he didn't get traded this year and played ten games in the VFL next year and he's out of contract, then he doesn't get offered a four-year deal from Fremantle on 350 grand. He misses out on 1.5 mil and he might get a year or two at Fremantle on minimum wage. If well, he, there's if a way around a- this then. There's a way around this. Just sign one-year deals as a player. <laughs> like he's, he's had security at Geelong. He had security for one more year. I, I get it's frustrating. And the Bobby Hill one is, is, is obviously really hard from the outside looking in because – Again, compassion, really compassionate grounds to suggest why he wanted to find a club and why he wanted to go to Essendon. But, and Collingwood took that, that late swing, but I, I also say this, he's under contract. He's a, how many games he played this year? 17 or 18 at the Giants? They're, yep, 17. And again, the reasons as to why he wanted to trade are 100% heartfelt. I, I totally get it. But you can't just spring up in the middle of the trade period with compassionate grounds and expect a club to trade you while you're under contract <laughs> without having the time for them. They, they tried Luke Bruce late and it didn't get done. Now, now had he had this been a situation that popped up three weeks ago, then you know what? It would have got done because then the Giants would have had enough time to say, okay, if it's not Luke, all right, hey, we'll start working on, on Luke Bruce through his management. Luke Bruce says no. Okay, then here do we go. We go over here. It's going to work if a club gives you the security so you get paid for a multiple number of years, you just can't be expected to spring it up with three days left and say, hey, I'm I'm out of here. And it sucks. It, it, it really does suck for Hill and his family. And I, I, I hope that he's able to find a way to go back to the Giants and everything works out for 12 months and then we see what happens. But you can't expect clubs just to let a guy run out the door and not replace him. And in particular, considering they, they probably think they're a legitimate chance of a crack next year. And they're letting guys out because they let him know late they're not happy and they need to move. I just don't think it's I, fair on the club. Yeah, I just think if there if there was a clause in the contract, then the players are able to think about it throughout the year and maybe four weeks out start con, uh, start negotiations or conversations with the club so it doesn't get to the point where a player decides three days out from the end of the trade period that he needs to um, or he wants to leave. It makes it easier to discuss it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it makes it easier, I think, for, for a player to actually talk about that with the club. Hashtag armchair experts to get involved. I'm, low on, I'm running low on battery. I, what, do you, what do you think of the Giants and how they're going to go next year just based on that? Because I, I think they're going to have a nice year. What are you making of it? Because they weren't letting Hill go. They had a crack at Bruce. There was a possibility that a high draft pick was actually involved. What, what do you make of it? I still think that um, the Giants can make the finals next year. I'm not sure if they're top four worthy. Again, injuries every year, cruel the Giants' chances. And this year, it's the first five weeks without their um, X-Factor player, Toby Green, being there. So that's going to hurt them in the first mm. five. Uh, I still think they've got enough star power to be able to get to the finals. If they get a decent run at injury in the back half, well, then they might push for top four. But, yeah, they're a, they're a dangerous side. Roy's Lions reckons it's too long, the trade period, wants it to shorten. Shorten, yep. a lot of people suggesting that. Uh, yes. A couple of people, Phil T, suggesting no, we just don't need the media 24-7 coverage of it, which is the exact reason the AFL have this, to stay in the media cycle. So I, I, I understand. I, I don't understand why fans – it is frustrating. I get it. But I don't know why they're so – so What else are we we're talking about listen, this time of year? Don't listen to trade radio. Or, or, or don't watch reports on it because everyone is, is crazy for footy. The length is about right. 
Okay, I understand it can be frustrating when nothing happens and, and none more so for you who sits up and comes in, comes up with 35 team mega trades. But it is also <laughs> someone's life they're trying to work out. And and you know what? Had this have got had this been a longer situation because it's unique in sport, at least in Australian sport, we really only have 10 days to to move. Had this been another week, then Bobby Hill probably may have found his found a new club. So there's yep. an argument to suggest that. You know, the, the two and a half weeks from a from a media perspective and a fan's perspective who are so deeply ingrained in it, it can be frustrating. But when you're a player trying to move and you, you're worrying about trying to win a flag and then it doesn't work out and then you're trying to find a home and everything that comes with maybe moving states, I, I'm almost certain the players don't think it's long enough at different times. Oh, I, trust me, I thought it was more than long enough when I thought I was going to be traded and ended up were, getting traded. Trying- but, no, no, but, my, my trade went right down to the wire on the final day. And I didn't know if I was going to get done or or end up uh, in the Western Bulldogs VFL side in the, mm. the next year because there was a hold-up with a Paddy Ryder deal. So that's my trade. And I thought that it was going to be done and dusted and an easy trade, but it, it just went back and forth and went right down to the wire on the final afternoon. So from a player's perspective, once they do nominate, it's, it's another week generally just sit around and wait had it have been shorter would it have got done it would have got done because it would have just been condensed down and okay. the negotiations get drawn out so we see it happen but 10 trades go down in the last one or, or even in the last hour of the period so you can condense it down i think it could probably end on the friday of last week it doesn't have to go monday tuesday wednesday I, this week I, I i think you need to put saturday sunday in I don't know why everything just stops on the weekends. What a weekend trading. Just just get it done. Like, I don't know. Like, why is there a close of business for the AFL? Like, if we actually had a 24-7 where you could actually put the actual trade in, like, there was a close of business on Friday at 5 o'clock or whatever time. It's like, well, why, why have we got close of business? If you actually want to make it shorter day-wise, you can lengthen the hours. So it opens at 9 a.m. on a Monday and it closes at midnight on a Sunday and then clubs just roll their way through. If you want to get it done... I just don't get why it's closed a business. Oh, and Everyone I mean, do that. There's no one getting a deal done at 11.59 on a Sunday night. All the deals would get done at 7 o'clock and everyone would just go home because no one wants to sit around till midnight thrashing out a deal that's been really could have been thrashed out a week before. Well, there you go. It might hasten it then. It's not oh, But then no one wants to work on weekends. Like The clubs speak at night <laughs> anyway. Like The Jordan Dawson <laughs> deal got finalised at 10 o'clock last night. <laughs> No one, no one wants to work on weekends. Every AFL player works on weekends, mate. Friday, Saturday, Sunday games. Well, when you're an AFL player like me, it's 24-7, 365. You just don't stop. Give me a spell. You trained once a week for your last six years. You somehow hoodwinked James Hurd and the Essendon crew that your knee was fine and you could barely walk and you eked another 60 games out, of which... To be fair, that was standard. To, to be fair, that was a double hoodwink. I, I, sold, I sold them up the river and they sold me up the river. <laughs> hey, hey, Daniel says, shorter with more drama and razzle-dazzle. But this is the thing. Again, as footy fans, we, we want more razzle and dazzle. I'll get it. But it's it's hard to throw razzle-dazzle in. The, the only thing that can probably be changed, because clubs are getting smarter. Clubs are understanding that, hey, you know what? If we don't trade a player, they're going to come back and play good footy. We spoke about this last night. Tim Kelly went back, played good footy. Joey Danaher, well, probably didn't, but injuries probably stopped him. Buddy on the year that he was almost out. You know, these guys, 
either in their last year of contract or being forced back to their club. Papley, gone back, now an All-Australian. Clubs now know that it's not Beal and Endall if they can't get these guys out and they come back and play good footy. Well, like there's nothing that can really be done. Clubs are smarter. Players are more understanding. We're more open to it nowadays. Free agents, this year they got snapped up real quickly because the main free agents really, like the Bonts and Pallies and the Crips of the world, no one legitimately thought they would ever leave. So that takes away all that sort of razzle-dazzle to, to use Daniel's terminology around free agents. And next thing you know... Uh, we get to a trade period that really had no major, major stars, although I like Adam Chair and Jordan Dawson a lot. Oh, there was plenty of razzle-dazzle last year because Collingwood were the main talking point with yeah. the fire sale and the Trelaw situation and the salary cap squeeze and the, the, the salary dump. But this year it, it tried to be Hawthorne, but it just didn't reach the same heights yep. as last year with the Pies. So, And that, you're right, there wasn't a, the huge big-name player um, that was out of contract to be able to um, eke out the two weeks of conversation. So uh, I think next year there might be a little bit of razzle-dazzle if uh, mm. a couple of um, big key forwards stay out of contract uh, towards the end of the year, and Ben King and a couple of others. Here's one from uh, Joyce who says, I enjoyed it. Increase the salary cap and give clubs full control over player movement and watch it sizzle. Now, a couple of things to work through there. I... The salary cap uh, is obviously slightly reduced due to coronavirus and the pandemic, so that will probably rise a little bit organically in the next three or four years, but not enough to allow full player control because, as we've spoken about before, like if you're on $150,000 is a great wage for someone like me and many of the armchair experts, but I'm not certain it's enough for a guy to go to sleep one day and then wake up the next morning, be traded to another state and have to move his whole family. That's the difference between the U.S., you know, trading system and, and here. But would a threshold work, Adam? Like if there's a threshold where you, you are, you're still to earn $750,000. So your contract stipulates $750,000 you're still going to earn, be it one year, maybe even two. You know, let's bump it up to eight hundred. So you're on 400 a year. If it's a two-year deal, if you're on a three-year deal and you're getting traded 800, then that's it. I got a million bucks. So a million got, bucks. A million bucks. Million? Yeah. Million. All right. Do you think that would work? If you if you were owed a million dollars by your football club you still and you were getting paid that, people who say contracts don't mean a thing, it automatically means you get paid whatever you signed on the dotted line for, either for better or for worse. Yep. In this situation, million-dollar threshold, which means if it's one year or three, a club can trade you without consent. Do you, It would it, raz things up, no doubt, but do you think it would work and you okay with it? Yeah, I mean, it's got to be a significant enough contract to be able to ease the burden of having to move interstate. Like if you're on 150 grand and you've got one year left on your deal, if you go to Sydney, you're going to be paying 80 grand a year in rent to live in a two-bedroom apartment. You're going to bring up Cola, are you? You want Cola? So, I think uh, well, there's a pretty good argument that Cola should come back because of the cost of living uh, in Sydney for those teams. So uh, the problem was Sydney had too much success when they were getting paid. And then Lance Franklin ended up at the Sydney Swans on a $9 million deal. So uh, that probably put an end to Cola. But, uh, I mean, that's... That, that's it. If, if, you, if the threshold is a million bucks and you've got 330 grand um, a year coming into the bank account, then I think that's doable. Uh, it certainly would put some sizzle into it, that's for sure. Yeah. Like the look, Sam Mitchell um, late pitch uh, to get Luke Bruce to GWS, I mean, that, that goes down in that situation. No, it I don't think well, it does. How many years has Luke Bruce got in his contract? Oh, he's got two. He's, uh, might, well, he, yeah, it would go down probably because you'd assume he's on more than well, he should be on. Might be on it. Might be right. Might be right on it, Luke Bruce. I, so, I, 
I, I like the idea of the threshold. I like it because 333 is enough, as you just touched on. And no one, if you're signing a player to a four-year deal, a 250 a year, one, what type of business decision is that? And two, why are you trading them? Like, why are you trying to get them off your books, you know, with four years still to go on a deal? So uh, I think the threshold has some merit because it would mean that there would be some of these trades. And not a great deal of trades, but it would mean there'd be more stipulation around different things. Clubs would get smarter as well with the way they, they do contracts and with the way that, you know, players and managers would work towards it. So you don't mind the idea of the threshold to try and add a little bit, but, you know, you just can't be trading guys on, you know, minimum wage or less than or the average wage. Uh, you live in Victoria today. No, you don't. You live in Adelaide and off you go. And unfortunately, if you're getting traded, you're probably not in their best 22 either. Hashtag armchair experts to get involved at 7AFL. Mitch Cleary to join us in a split second to wrap it all up. Who are the definitive losers? Who, who do you think lost in this trade period? Or at least since the D's hoisted the Premiership Cup, who do you yep. think's had no, no, no fun or no good time of it? Uh, the Saints didn't have a great time of it. Uh, I know that they've got a few in over the last couple of years. Maybe they were gun-shy uh, after missing the finals this year and trading pretty heavily uh, and getting um, free agency in over the last couple of years. So, look, they tried for the Tristan Cherry deal. Uh, they fell over with North Melbourne. So they're obviously still keen on a ruck with uh, a Paddy Ryder, Rowan Marshall situation with Paddy not getting any younger. And anyone really that finished between... Uh, 8th and 13th who weren't as active as what they should have been to try and get closer to Melbourne, to get closer to Port Adelaide, the Western Bulldogs. This is, this is why I think Giants did what they did with Hill. Because if you look at those teams that sort of finished, you know, Sydney lost Dawson. We, we went through this last night. Sydney lost, I still think Sydney would be better than this year, but they lost Dawson. Uh, if you have a look at the teams that are, are right on that cusp, Essendon got Kelly in, but are fairly happy with their, their lot right now and their development. I, it's such an interesting time because you don't want to go backwards because it, it's the closest we've ever seen it. As Mitch Cleary joins us, uh, Seven News on fire, of course. Him and TB7 just tore it apart for the last hour, hour and a bit going live, letting you know on all the late developing news, the breaking news. He's got his – he looks he looks really focused. He looks oh, a little fatigued. How you doing, big fella? Great job. Thanks, guys. Probably not the uh, trade period deadline we're used to, but uh, some deals went through. Bobby Hill and Trish and Cherry, I guess the players that uh, don't get their wish, but uh, they might be back in 12 months' time. Well, what did you make of, of, of the Giants and how they tried to manoeuvre the last 24 hours? Obviously, they were trying to play catch-up a little bit when, when Hill came a little bit later in the period to, to ask for a trade on compassionate grounds, which we all did agree with, but... In that situation, what did you make of the Giants and how they handled this 24 hours? Just spoke to Jason McCartney on 7 News. He was adamant that the Bobby Hill stuff wasn't linked to Luke Bruce and, and Chad Wingard, their approach there. Some might argue, and I guess it's probably up for debate whether that's that's on the money. Uh, Bobby Hill came really late, and, and he made a fair point that Jeremy Finlayson requested his trade or, or made the Giants known about his desire to leave three months ago. And Bobby held... Bobby Hill gave them three days. So I think it was too late from Bobby's perspective. Um, I think Collingwood also threw up a, a, a pretty good deal late, but the Giants were just holding firm that they weren't going to trade Bobby Hill. I think it would have taken something out of this ballpark to uh, tempt the Giants into a deal for Bobby Hill. And a big part of that is the fact Toby Green's missing the first five games. Yeah. They don't have a lot of other uh, small forwards. And, and Jason was adamant that even if they had got Wingard or Bruce, they still wouldn't have traded Bobby Hill. Oh, okay. come on, Jason. Well, 
Yeah. yeah, fair enough. I, I like him as a player, and he played a lot of footy this year. But if you are actively trying to get a small forward, the odds are you probably would have relented and let Hill out your, out your football mm. club. Considering, I, I think everyone agrees, legitimate reasons just probably too late in a trade period as you touched on. Yeah, I think so. Cam McCarthy was the one that springs to mind. Same manager. Said he'd be back in 12 months' time. Bobby Hill, I guess the big difference is McCarthy had two thrown on his contract at the time. Bobby's got one. So Bobby's yep. out of contract at the end of next year. The most fascinating part of this for me is that Bobby was in extension talks four or five weeks ago and was wanting to t- stay at the Giants. Uh, they're going to add an Indigenous liaison officer at the Giants uh, to their footy staff in the next uh, four or five days. So that could make a difference. Um, Josh Dunkley wanted to leave the Dogs 12 months ago. Now he's best mates with Adam Trelaw. It can change pretty quickly. Hashtag armchair experts to get involved at 7AFL. It, it has been remarkable. We're just talking about maybe the, the biggest losers and the biggest winners of, of what's been an interestingly poised, fascinating trade period of time without a great deal getting done. Who's the big winner and loser for you, Mitch? I think Melbourne and Collingwood are the winners. they got Luke Dunstan in at Melbourne for nothing. He adds good midfield depth. Yeah. And they've got the extra first rounder in this year that they didn't have at the start. And they don't really lose anything, the Demons. And they keep their premiership team intact. The Pies, they've got the points for, for Nick Dacos. They identified pretty early that the Giants were the ones to go and target for those points. They did that. Kruger and Lipinski come in for not much. And when it comes to the losers, um, I think maybe they didn't lose their actual deals. But I thought Port Adelaide might have looked to add an extra midfielder, given they were beaten up in that area in the prelim. Same with the Cats. Um, they don't get that first round of back that they might have liked for with Jordan Clark. So I don't think they're necessarily losers, but they would have liked to probably add a bit more, I think. How about Carlton? Like, I, I know it feels like a broken record and Carlton fans should be cautiously optimistic. I think that's the perfect phrase for them right now. But they get Cherry in. Now, they lost six. We get it. But they get Cherry in. They got Hewitt in. Now, Williams can go back and play that, that preferred role. We spoke a little bit about this earlier. Saad, likewise. They got Kuno back. I'm touching wood for the big man. Uh, look, I'm not a Carlton fan by any stretch, but surely, surely this is the most optimistic the Navy Blues should have been and should be for the last decade or so, Adam. Absolutely. You forgot about uh, Lewis Young as well, just My coming body, in yes. for a steal to uh, hold down a defensive post uh, if one of the uh, main defenders gets injured. So, um, yeah, I think they've done all right. And the ex- expectations will be high on Carlton, and rightly so, given the way that they've traded uh, over the last few years and able to get Jack Martin in. I think they are cherry ripe to make the finals in Michael Voss's first year. There's no excuses. We said it last year. There was no excuses for him to miss out at a poor year, Coach Sacks. Vossie in, I think they'll make the eight. You had a chance there, Adam, to say, I think they're cherry ripe to make the eight. But you let yourself down for the first time in the trade period. Well, maybe they're getting Christian Cherry. Oh, there you go. In the preseason draft or the bloody <laughs> normal draft or the rookie draft or Tristan Cherry, he was, um, was going to go for a second-round pick at one stage for a player not many people had heard of. I like what North Melbourne did. Okay, so they lost Robbie well, Tarrant, which... But I like, they, they held their ground. They said, hey, our, our man, Orn Francis, is going to be number one pick and we've spoken about what they should do or what we think they should do and just go, bang, here's a five-year deal the moment you get into Arden Street, so let's build this together. They stuck firm yeah. on that. They stuck firm on the big boy. Oh, but but they brought Coleman Jones in and they brought Jacob Edwards in the mid-season draft. I can understand why Tristan Cherry, when he last signed his deal, wants to get out off the back of that. The, the ballpark, the, the goalposts have completely changed now for Tristan Cherry when he last signed his deal. He thought he was number two to to uh, to Todd Goldstein. Goldstein. Now he's got Coleman Jones coming in um, over the top, plus Jacob Edwards, who 
is many people would argue would be a top 15 pick if he was available in the draft this year. So uh, I can understand them playing hardball for a contracted player, but the goalposts have changed on that contract since he last signed it. Hashtag armchair experts at 7AFL. It is a time been a little sluggish and slow, but you have been on fire, Mitch. Adam, trade God. You got a preseason because, of course, you can still trade draft picks all the way to AFL. Yeah. Draft give us a so daily one, Coons. Daily, give us a daily mega draft pick trade. You should just do it on your own personal <laughs> one or via at 7AFL. So somebody theoretically could still have a huge crack at the number one pick. It seems like they probably won't because North Melbourne have been so definitive. But I'd like to see you, Adam, go with a couple that try and move the needle when it comes to North Melbourne's thoughts on having the number one number one pick. No, no. I'm like Mike Brady and Mariah Carey's Christmas albums now. You just put me away till next year's trade period because I am done. I don't do picks. I don't do index points. But I think there might be a couple of plays. Don't, don't be surprised if someone throws something outrageous at North Melbourne for that number one pick. Mitch, what's for you tonight now? What happens in the next couple of days for you? you, you we, we, we paid you nearly a million dollars to poach you from AFL Media. You've spent 10 days here, and now the <laughs> busiest time of the year is done. What, what do you do? You're just on holidays now? Or what's it will come Might go watch some Group 1 racing cam, I guess, maybe uh, watch some cricket. Now, I think the big thing tonight, I'm going to go home and get the laptop out and start working on next year's free agents because this year was maybe a bit of a dull trade period. But next year's not going to be the same. You've got Darcy Moore, Jordan Ngoi, Caleb Daniel, Braden Maynard, James Sisley. Uh, there's some big names up for grabs next year as free agents. Some of those guys will re-sign, no doubt, before this time of the year. But I reckon next year we could be in, in for some fun. What a big year for Collingwood. What a huge year for Collingwood. Mm. All the mess that it's unfortunately been the last 12 or 13 months. They had a pretty good time of it this year. I reckon they did as well as they possibly could under the circumstances they found themselves in. But... Big year. Don't forget, Group 1 Racing right here on Channel 7. Do you want a tip? No, no. You've given me stinking tips at every Friday night. You're joking, aren't you? Every, oh, you? Your last month hasn't been that call, that A horse called Elephant and a big trunk couldn't lose in a photo finish and he got beaten in a photo finish. My confidence yeah. was shook for just a moment. Incentivized drew barrier 20 in the Caulfield Cup. The favourite was $1.95. Bookies are just winding him out, winding him out, winding him out. He comes in at 18, of course, because the emergency's come out. Bolts in. Does not make a difference. Always gamble responsibly. But I'm telling you, wins the Caulfield Cup on Saturday, Adam. I don't want to hear you sulking about it. Come 6 yeah. o'clock Saturday, he didn't back it. All right, I've told you right now. I'll put a few. Oh, you've nicked. What, what was that? I said I'll put a few of my Christian cherries on it. <laughs> On that note, we're out of here. Hashtag armchair experts at 7AFL. No mega draft trade coming Adam Cooney's way. Mitch continues to do his thing on 7 News. And we'll see you next year or, of course, even a little sooner than that, the NFL armchair experts, 10.30, Monday morning on 7 News.
mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Market.